Good evening. Welcome back. Cap and Trade, episode 48. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap and also via newsletter at capandtrade.substack.com. Got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, our co host, Mr. Landry Locker, should be joining us in a few minutes, but I'll get us things, uh, get things started off for us. So, uh, got a lot, got a few questions before the show started. And, uh, if you got any, Questions that you want to throw up on the chat board, post them up. We'll get to as many as we can, like we always do every week. Appreciate everybody listening in and joining in. The show's getting bigger and bigger each week, more and more followers. So I appreciate everybody joining the ride. But, uh, you know, a lot of things to get to tonight. One thing I just want to start off with is uh, the unfortunate situation that we all saw go down Monday night. And, you know, it's just a, a, a tough situation. It's tough to watch. And, and, Prayers out to to Demar Hamlin and his family, and hope everything works out well for him. Looks like the league's gonna continue on. I think that uh, Cincinnati Buffalo game will probably end up being a no contest kind of situation, and then just be uh, sixteen games for them. But going back to uh, back to Houston and what we got going on here, so a lot lot to cover tonight. Uh, right off the top, Andre Johnson just saw the news about thirty minutes ago. Second time, he's going to be a uh, finalist for the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, he gets in this time. He's well-deserved uh, ring of honor for Houston. And, you know, he would obviously go in as a Houston Texan. And, you know, it's hopefully that uh, John McClain can really, really pitch it and sell it this time around and, and seal the deal for it. So, we're really looking forward to uh, February when it comes to uh, a Hall of Fame and the news that will be coming out at that time. It's a pretty stacked class for sure. But uh, Andre Johnson seems like a shoe and I know it's kind of biased and we're Houston fans and we, and we just want best for him, but you know, it is, it is exciting and, and hopefully, hopefully that will happen for him. But the Houston, Houston Texans have a very uh, stressful as Ryan, Ryan listener up here throws up. Yep. Sunday is going to be so damn stressful. Very much. So there's a, you know, it looks like Chicago is not they uh not gonna have Justin Fields playing. So they're gonna have, I think, uh Nathan Peterman starting as quarterback. So they're they're in full tank mode over there as well. And Houston's going up against the Indianapolis Colts, which you know, John no Jonathan Taylor. Now they're on QB what four. So Sam Ellinger is gonna start at quarterback and Lovey and, and the Houston Texans continue uh continue on touting that this game is very important that they want to win and finish the season on a high note. I get all that from a, from a coaching standpoint, especially for a coach that's probably on his way out. He would like to finish on a strong note regardless. And, you know, there's a lot of players on this roster that probably won't be here next year. And some of those players may, this may be their last game of their NFL career for all we know. And, you know, those players, they want to end on a high note and I get all that, but as a fan, and as someone who's going to be a fan, and many of y'all that are listening are also going to be fans next year and for years to come, you want that number one pick, right? You you do not want to see a win this weekend. It doesn't seem like 
Chicago has any chance of beating the Minnesota Vikings, especially with, with Nathan Peterman throwing the ball or whatever they're going to be doing up there. So it Houston needs to lose to keep that number one overall pick. And it's, I mean, man, the discourse is going to be wild if they end up winning this game. And I think it's a very real, very real chance that they, they could pull off another win and end up falling back to the number two draft slot. So let's talk about that. So the first pick versus the number two pick and what, what that means for Houston. And, uh, you know, it's, it, you obviously want the number one pick. It kind of gives you, you know, full reign over the draft. You get exactly who you want. You don't have to worry about anything. If for some reason this team is not sold on Bryce Young, then you can look at moving down. You know, there's going to be plenty of teams behind, you know, the the Falcons, the Colts. Um, there's going to be plenty of teams behind that are, that are going to be looking potentially to move up. And this team's going to have all kinds of choices there. So you hope, Hope that uh, the number one draft pick holds for Houston and they don't pull off a win this weekend. But uh, we'll we'll jump right into it here. It looks like Mr. Landry is, is able to join us now, so we'll add him in here and get going on things. Let's see here. We swap that. There we go. Hey, welcome in. What up? What up? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. good. Doing good. Good. Now, we... we Got things going. We touched on. Uh, You're touched in a different on. room, by the way. I am. I finally got my my office back, or at least 50-50. I'm splitting it now with my son with his game room side. But, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. It's first time being back up here. Finally got – I've been working off of a laptop screen, so imagine a little 14-and-a-half-inch screen with StreamYard and – comments and talking points and everything trying to fit all you know work it all through here so now i'm back to my nice 32 inch monitor and and uh got my lighting back where it needs to be and it looks good man feels good to finally be back up here you're looking solid you're looking solid outstanding but now we talked on uh touched a little bit on andre johnson and hit the news tonight of you know we all knew he was gonna be another finalist but hopefully he gets in touched on that but really kind of what I was diving into right off the top was the what what it means to have the number one pick versus the number two pick and mm-hmm. you know there's there there's can be arguments to be made on both sides but obviously you want that number one pick and it looks like Chicago is gonna is just in full tank mode starting Nathan Peterman this weekend with with Justin Fields in the sore hip and he's not gonna play and then now we got Sam Ellinger with the Colts it's gonna it's, it feels like a Houston win is coming. It just feels it? that way. It kind of does to me. And, you know, at this point, you really – obviously, you really want to hold on to that number one pick. But what happens if we fall down to number two? You know, where are the options? Things like that. So, if you want to dive off into that, go right ahead. Well, first of all, having the number one pick versus number two pick, I don't even know how it's an argument. Like, uh, yeah, there are exceptions. There's times where – you know, the, the dream can still be alive, but I think just from a buzz standpoint and the fact that you're on the clock essentially for four months and you're basically in control of the draft, I, I think that would go a long way for them. Uh, and they need interest. There's empty seats, all that type of stuff. So with this organization, I think max buzz uh, is important. And I don't even want to have like a what if they do this, what if they do that type of situation. Like no matter what the Texans want to do, whether it's trade, whether it's 
take a quarterback, whether it's not take a quarterback, like it's, it's just better to have the number one pick than it is the number two pick. You could have convinced me, you know, maybe a win over the Browns um, that caused you to get the number two pick. Like maybe that would mean something next year. Maybe that would mean something, you know, three years from now. Remember when we beat Deshaun Watson, when he came back his first game, but a meaningless win over the dog butted Indianapolis Colts. There's, there's no point. Like it's not, there's no payoff to it. Sure. uh, There can still be a certain level of excitement. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes the number two pick ends up better than the number one pick, but as far as what they need, as far as, you know, every advantage that you can have, um, having something tangible to show for this crappy season. Yeah. Having the number one picks better than the number two pick. I don't even like, I don't even understand how you, how you argue that. Now, if you say it's going to be fine, Regardless, okay, but it's still better to have the number one pick than the number two pick. Yeah, I, yeah. The, the there's plenty of points there you made that I agree with pretty much everything there. You know, I, it just it all comes down to really what Casario's thoughts are on Bryce Young. If he's really really sold on him, if it's a a trait, excuse me, a trait thing that concerns him with size or anything like that. You know, that's all things that, you know, hopefully we'll start to hear a little bit more as the offseason rolls on. But, you know, if they slide down to that number two pick, it, it feels like I, I can't really decide if Chicago would just stay at number one and take like Henry Anderson, something like that. or if Will they, Anderson. I'm sorry, Will Anderson. And uh, thinking about the Jets player. And uh, or would they just auction it off to the highest bidder? You know, you, you got to think the Colts would be moving up. The Falcons would be moving up. You know, the Carolina might want to move up. I don't know that they got the draft equity to do it, but you know, there's it it almost seems like that would be the perfect, perfect situation for Chicago is to auction off that pick, move down, and just gather more more resources for them to continue that rebuild. And at that point, you, we assume right now at this point that Bryce Young would be the one that everybody would be trading up for. And then what does that mean for Houston when they go number two? Do they do they circle back? Do they, you know, circle back to a defensive player, look at Stroud, or, or you know, maybe you look at a veteran quarterback in, in the offseason to kind of be a bridge option and go defense at number two and, you know, and kind of carry things over till the next draft. You know, there's a lot of different ways that things could go down if they end up winning this game this weekend. And, but I, yeah, obviously the best scenario would just be hopefully a loss comes in move on from the coaching staff, have the number one draft pick, have full control over the draft and make the, you know, hopefully Casario and them can make the best decision for the team at that number one draft slot. And someone said today on my, cause I actually, my whole video today, locker room on YouTube was about this, you know, the difference between number one and two. Um, I guess uh, my buddy, my good friend, Paul Gallant is saying it's a loser mentality. No He's shit. A weird like I read in the past week. Like no shit. It's a loser mentality. It's a losing organization where in a league where losing is rewarded. Like we didn't start out the season. Like you and I have been talking all season and you know, we didn't start out against Indianapolis saying, damn, they should have lost that one. Uh, we didn't say that against Chicago. We didn't say that against Denver. Um, hell, we were glad they won the game against Jacksonville. 
Like it's not it's not like we started this season saying, oh, they really need to tank for Bryce Young. Like I would have loved for them to, to have won seven, eight games and been in the mix. But at some point, losing is more beneficial than winning, especially when it becomes apparent that the head coach you have isn't going to be here. You're not building anything here. And any option that you want, including getting the quarterback, uh, which is the most important thing, uh, is rewarded. So, like, last year they beat the Chargers. That cost them Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, would you like to have Aiden Hutchinson right now? I would. Uh, the Jets, they're looking for a quarterback. They're talking about, you know, kicking the tires on the ghost of uh, Derek Carr. Um, do you think that the win that they had that cost them Trevor Lawrence? You, 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 congratulations on the winning mentality. Like, I don't – like, it doesn't matter. Is it a loser mentality? Yes. They're losers. Like, they've been losers for – for three seasons now yeah, winning this game doesn't make them no <laughs> it doesn't that. doesn't do anything so yes there is a losing mentality you're absolutely right you it, it is a losing mentality it's like i don't know like what is that is that supposed to like am i supposed to like like you can throw me in a locker or something like that like i don't i don't know like what is that like yeah you're yeah captain obvious it's a losing mentality you're rooting to lose no kidding like i i, I love paul but i don't like okay What's the con- what's the consequence of a losing mentality? Like, is it gonna is it gonna boil into next year? Like, did did Jacksonville losing last year? Did that like did that impact them this year? Like, did the Rams winning last year? Did that impact them? Like, in a in a year to year league, like what what is the consequence of the losing mentality? Especially when you assume, hopefully, that you're gonna have a new coach and you're gonna have an opportunity and fans are gonna get excited because you have the number one pick. So, yeah, okay, losing mentality, okay, whatever, cool. That's great. <laughs> I Correct. Think, yeah. <laughs> whatever, Paul. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's critical that hopefully they hold on to it and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But this weekend had had a lot of good playoff games. A lot of, you know, we got to see Bryce Young ball out again against K-State. Started out a little rough, but – for the most part, turned things around, put on a very good performance for the rest of the day and just at least cemented it for me. And I know I'd, I'd put out a tweet about Stroud's performance had me rethinking a little bit and it had me rethinking. Yeah. But it wasn't enough to sway me to come off of me wanting Bryce young for the, you know, I've been in that, been in that, been in that boat for probably three months now. So, you know, th- the performance from Stroud didn't change my mind at all, it, but it maybe kind of pushed him up the board a little bit for me, but it's still going to come down to that, down to that uh, traits versus production kind of thing. You know, it, as I was listening to one with a former GM, Rick Spillman, who said that the size wouldn't concern him as a GM. He was, you know, he was a GM in Minnesota for quite a long time, very successful general manager. And, and he, echoed pretty much my thoughts on Bryce Young that you know he's got the mental processing he's got that it it mentality he can make all the throws does he have a arm talent like Josh Allen no i mean he's he's a smaller frame but he can make all the throws and he can mentally process the game quickly make good decisions he's able to protect himself he has good pocket presence you know he's if you just were to scratch off the height and the weight issue he checks every other single box for me and you know, and but Stroud, you know, he had a good game and he has all those prototypical traits. And I just, but it's not enough to sway my position. And 
I kind of figured the same would be for you, but I just wanted to ask you if that swayed you. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's always dangerous to, uh, you know, judge a player by a bowl performance. Yeah. Um, you know, Justin Fields outplayed Trevor Lawrence. Who would you rather have, uh, in college? Um, uh, Aiden Hutchinson sucked last year in the playoff game. Yeah, he did. That's true. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't, Look, I, when you watch Ohio State and you watch Alabama, and I'm not ever going to pretend to be a film guy. I'm not going to flip a switch and all of a sudden become a film guy uh, during you know this process. But I do watch as much college football as anybody. Um, I try to take like balance, you know, what you see there with what you see in the NFL, and I try to lean on guys uh, who do do such things, like you know Dame Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Jordan Reed. Those are those are probably three of my favorites. They all like Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young. And just when you're watching the games, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone here. Uh, the the Bill O'Brien, Bryce Young making plays in the Bill O'Brien scheme, um, it doesn't seem – it seems to kind of translate a little bit more to what you do in the NFL. Like the the Ohio State system, the way that Ryan Day does things um, – the, the way that the receivers get open, how good the receivers are. And I'm not saying Alabama has bad players. I'm not saying that, but it just seems like those guys are a lot more open. It seems like he has a lot more time to throw. It seems like they're a lot better at playing with tempo. It seems like they're a lot better at finding like mismatches and stuff like that. It seems like Bryce is having to, I mean, I know Sean Payton used the term kind of walk on water at times uh, when he's, uh, when he's making plays. So no, it really didn't change anything. I if if you told me that I had to rank someone second, I would put Stroud number two. But even then, I wouldn't want to draft CJ Stroud in the top ten, top fifteen. He's just not. That's just not. It. I would be willing to go a different direction if it's not the guy. It'll be interesting to see what they think of him. But nah, I, Bryce Young is still QB one for me. Yeah, yeah. And I'd seen a little bit of discussion on the timeline today about the the Mulligetta. Quincy Avery connections with Stroud and if that would give they don't Houston care. any pause and I don't I don't I talked to I've actually talked to Brian Bernie about this um yeah. we actually had a pretty long conversation believe it or not um and um look they know they're gonna have more clients here uh in Houston they have a they have a fine relationship um so <clears throat> like if you think that David Mulligetta uh, has like, you know, some sort of remorse for the Watson thing. No, he doesn't. Um, and Brian Bernie doesn't. And I don't think uh, Quincy does either. So um, that's not really a thing. I am amused though. Like going back to the film thing, I am amused. Like it, you, there are a lot of fake film guys uh, <laughs> this time of the year. And it's like, I wish, I wish some of these guys and, and I'm, I'm, I, it seems like I'm kind of generalizing, but there, it's, it's a lot like, I, I wish y'all truly knew because when I first like started doing radio, I would, I would make slight like comments, like, you know, you watch the tape and stuff. And like, I was with um, Brian Broaddus, uh who's watching, you know, the all 22 every day, Jeff Cavanaugh, who's doing it. And uh, Dame Brugler was actually worked where I worked and, I don't think you guys really know what watching the tape means. Like it, it's not going to YouTube and watching a few highlights or something like that and starting and pausing. Like <clears throat> the guys who are really watching the tape, like you don't have time to do it. 
Like it, it's it's really like it's if you're truly, if you're it truly is. watching the tape, it's not even like, fun to really really. Bro, really it takes because I went I went and watched it with him a couple of times, and I was like, man, this just ain't me. Yeah. Like I like so like when when if you're gonna say something like watch the tape, just just realize that you're really kind of disrespecting guys who truly do it because just one play if you're truly watching tape takes like at least two minutes and that's that's not even counting when you start and pausing because you're looking at different angles you're looking at different things you're re-watching so like just just be careful with the way that you say watch the tape I'm not telling you what to do I'm just saying I, I don't think you really realize what watch the tape really means it's exhausting it is I've tried it before I mean I saw it's Man, I saw Kavanaugh doing this like in uh he's got his YouTube, his Cowboys thing now, but like he was literally going with Broadus and they got the they got the team tape. Dude, he wasn't going out like every day. Like he was watching like 200 days. They were crunching like every prospect and stuff. Like, I'm not saying you even have to. Like some of those guys probably watch too much tape and, and they get too much information. And I'm not like the casual college football fan can have an opinion and it's fine, but don't don't say you're watching the tape because you dedicated 17 minutes to watching a Will Levis highlights. Like it's it's a lot more complex than that. Yeah. Hell of a lot more complex than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she agrees. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Pacey's upset. Oh man. Um, let's see here. So another another topic, you know, well, we'll stay with the draft stuff because there was one thing mentioned to me this past weekend that uh, Anderson is pretty high up on Houston's list. and He should right, be. I mean, he should be, so. rightfully yeah. so. Right, and that's what I was about to say, rightfully so. I just don't know. I haven't been able to get a, an assessment of where Young is on Houston's board right now, and board's going to change for the next three months, but a lot of that stuff is locked in with those kind of guys. They've, you know, the boards can change once they do draft in, interviews and combine and things like that, but for these types of players, that those boards are pretty dang accurate. And I can't get a feel for, for the Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud thing with Casario, but I do do feel pretty confident that, that Anderson is – it wouldn't even shock me if he was number one on the board. Yeah, he should be. I mean, he's – I mean, yeah. he's – he's. I mean, that could be if, – if Will Anderson's used right, I mean, that could be – that could be like your Nick Bosa. You know, that could be like your Nick Bosa. Mike, I mean – Micah Parsons, like that type of that type of game breaker. So yeah, he he absolutely should be high on their board. Yeah. It's just a matter of if if Bryce Young is three and Will Anderson's one, like what do you really want to do? But yeah, I mean, I don't. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's we've been talking about this kid since he was a freshman. You know, like we we've been like we've been talking about this moment. Like he would have gone number one last year. Maybe yeah, two years if, ago he's a top ten he pick. So yeah. like it's not it's not some sort of you know we've been. We've been hyping this kid up for a while. And, and this year, you know, they the production wasn't as significant, but everyone says that they were actually kind of um they were actually kind of improving his stock without the production. Like they were moving him around, asking him to do a lot more to where he might be better, he might be better prepared. Like if you're looking at the box score, you might think he had a down year, but he's he might be better prepared for the NFL because of the less production and the stuff that they were doing uh, with him, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get, I get what you're saying. It makes, it makes, makes sense for me at least. Um, yeah. It's just something we'll have to monitor through the, 
through the process and, you know, coaching staffs and what comes in and, and what kind of schemes. And He ain't going like to get 31, that. is he? Mm. Pierce ain't giving it up. <laughs> Pierce, ain't, Pierce ain't no. doesn't have to give up his jersey, so he's well, going to have to give a, a different the number. Linebacker, can an edge linebacker be 30 in the 30s? Parsons is 11. I know they I know they got much more lenient this year because it yeah. freaks me out every time I see Thomas Booker with 56 lined up over the center and it makes no sense to me. Um yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, I don't I don't see and no, nah, he shouldn't get 31 anyway if he wants to. That's no. Pierce's man. That's yeah. his. Um got a lot of questions on the board. I've I've been starring some of the comments. We'll we'll get to those a little bit here deeper into the show. So if you got any questions, throw them up there. We'll get to everything we can. Uh, one, the next next topic, which is something we've discussed off and on on this show for the past month or so, and you know we saw the NFL news report what Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon that that they'll do a, an evaluation on Lovey at, at the end of the season. That no seems common sense. I mean, that no ha- yeah, you do the evaluation at the end of the season. It's just weird timing, you know, right before the last game. And, you know, I've been saying that I've I've heard multiple times from more than one person that the decision has already been made, that they're going to move on. And I don't Good. think there's any chance he comes back. But Good. But it just made me just the timing of that release just kind of made me feel like that was a message out there to love you, like, well, give me one more chance. This is your yeah. last look. The decision's and, done. And, I know it's so, but what I'm saying is, is you know, it almost seemed like a little flag, like, hey, this is your last, you know, last look. And man, the team just shit the bed. It just yeah. probably one of the, you know, we keep wondering what's rock bottom for this team from a performance standpoint. And it felt like that was rock bottom this weekend. It was just, I mean, Davis Mills looked horrible. Players were making business decisions on tackles and it, it was just – it felt like rock bottom. And so it's its clear to me that that, that Lovey Smith's going to be gone. And it as for the head coach options, you know – You think it happens day, Monday? Yeah, I hope they don't drag this crap out like they did. No, nah, they won't. They can't. They can't do that. I think it's got to be rip the bandit off. You know, appreciate it, Lovey. You got, you got the ship righted. You did exactly what we needed you to do. Got everything – Got you know made it feel like a a functioning organization, a functioning team, and now we're ready to make the next step with somebody else. Appreciate your time. Take your take your cash and enjoy life, and uh, you know move on. I don't see I don't foresee any like promotion like Romeo Cornell kind of thing like that, or or any kind of glorified uh, consultant role or anything like that. I think it's just a straight up. We'll see you. So it seems like from. The things I hear, it's kind of a a one A one B between Gannon and uh, D'Amico. Haven't really heard of any other big names being tied tied to tied to Houston at this point. You know, and obviously we could have some new names, maybe a Drod Mayo or something like that. But I really hope it's not something like that. I really just want to get away from this whole New England thing. Yeah, you know, I I just just show some width, so, so show some willingness to get away from what you've known for the last 25 years or 20 years in New England and expand outside of your box and bring in a modern coach 
and Gannon and D'Amico are both modern coaches. And so I feel like those are probably your top two. You know, it wouldn't shock me if it was a Gannon that, that you see somebody like Frank Wright come over with him as offensive coordinator, something like that. And, you know, that, that wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. I think that would be a, a very good sound decision. And, you know, D'Amico. I like uh, that. I like that. Yeah, I think think that's something that worth keeping an eye on. You know, and as for like a, a defensive coordinator, I think Gannon would come over as the play caller, but, you know, he'd probably snatch up one of his linebacker coaches or something like that out of Philadelphia. And and that might be your kind of your, your potential staff. But I think those are your top two. I, I don't, you know, that's why I say 1A, 1B. I think they're both just excellent choices between the two of them. I think they're both leaders. I think they're both, like I said, modern coaches. And the part that really intrigues me with with Gannon is Philadelphia is by far the the most the heaviest analytic driven team in the league. And Houston's gotten better. Um the the what's now called the decision science team is is has expanded in the past two years. And I just wonder if Gannon Is that one of Jack's sub programs? Yes. That's actually one of the few things that he did right. Yeah, but um, if you have an unlimited budget, you could you could have done that. But it's always been a very slim department under previous under yeah. previous administrations. So it, it does just make me wonder if Gannon came over, like would that that department would probably have to expand just just from the system and from the environment that he comes from coming from uh, out out of Philadelphia. But for me, those are those are my top two choices right now. Obviously, we might get you know, a surprise name or something, somebody else pops up. That, Heinz Ward. Why? <laughs> you know, it, it, see, just threw me right off. Heinz Ward. Yeah. So that'd be my top two. And I just kind of wanted to get your take. If you had any new names or anybody else that uh, intrigues you. No, that's, I mean, I think that's a good list. I, I think you mentioned in Mayo is, wise too um i think he's gonna get a shot uh but yeah i mean it's gannon and i think if gannon gets interviewed a second time i I would bet on him like i would bet i would bet on um gannon for sure but ryan says aaron wilson mentioned last night on their podcast that D'Amico wasn't interested in coming to houston Hmm. that wouldn't shock me either i mean he's gonna have his pick there's going to, I don't think it's going to be as many openings as we had last year, but I think D'Amico will have his, yeah, has have his choice. Have his he's choice. not interested. He's not interested. Yeah. Good luck. But I mean, I think he would be, I think he's the the guy for the gig, but yeah. um, you know, it's all, it all changes. I mean, and, and I, I love Aaron, but I mean, there was like 50 different things last year going on, you know, with him, like where, you know, it was Gannon, and then it was this, it was that. So he he talks to a lot of agents. yeah, he talks to a lot of folks, and but a lot of times folks are kind of telling you they like that's what things. that's what I was about to say. It was and I think, I think he's closer. I don't want to like blow his, uh, but I think he's I think he's kind of close to Gannon. Um, if I'm playing like follow the source, I don't know, but yeah. I'm I think he's kind of think he. I don't think he's as in with the Ryan's camp as he is like the Gannon. You know, I think it comes from the agents is. A lot of you that. You think? <laughs> but 
what I'm trying, what you you touched on right there was, is I do think some agents can will plant things and an area. Yeah, I mean that's the dangers. That's the dangers of you know the gig is that you know sometimes you know. Yeah. Let's see here. And then uh, the other one that the other head coach name, and I don't think Harbaugh would be of of any interest over here, but that'd be funny though. Feels like he's Indianapolis or well, Tepper apparently talked to him out of Carolina. So it feels like it's Carolina, Indy and Denver uh, trying to angle for, for Harbaugh and Ursay being the cheap owner it's going to have a hard time competing with the Walmart family and Dave Tepper. Boy, they got some bread, man. I saw the uh, the owner net worth. Like, I think they're worth like Lopez was listening today. I think they're worth like, was it six or eight billion more than number two or something? Yeah, I mean the, the I think Tepper's number two, but I think yeah, they're like fourteen Tepper is billion. Worth a, a ton. And then what did he do? I I can't remember off the top of my head. I but I I remembered when he bought the team seeing his net worth compared to some of the other owners was yeah a pretty but, but, the, but the, the walmart bread is yeah and just, you know stan Kroenke with the rams his he's married to the wife from the the walton family so his wife is from the walton family so that's they're they're tied into two nfl organizations one way or another but yeah ursa is going to have a hard time competing from a money aspect for for jim Har- harbaugh for sure because or say, like I've said, and I've said it on here plenty of times, Indianapolis is one of the, I hate saying cheap, but they're, they're one of the low, lowest spending <laughs> organizations, That's especially cheap. when it comes to the roster. They're one of the cheapest teams in the league. So, yeah. Um, another one, other topic before we get to some of these questions so there's going to be there's going to, it feels like there's a, a quarterback situation playing out that something I'm going to be really interested in watching play out and the the middle class quarterback contract has become extinct. You when you start seeing players like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins that are getting paid almost close, we'll take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation, but getting paid close to what the elite quarterbacks are getting paid and that middle-class contract has just vanished. It's either Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota type money where you're making six, seven, eight million million a year, or your Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins making 37, 36, $38 million a year. And I'm hoping that we may see a return of that middle-class contract because you have Geno Smith, you have Daniel Jones, who's going to be a free agent, and you're going to have probably uh, Derek Carr be a free agent. We'll see how y'all's bet between you and Cody plays out on that. And um, I think those kind of players really sets the stage for a potential return of that middle-class contract. And I, th- my opinion is I think you can build a successful team with a middle of the pack quarterback given if his contract is in line with that define success define success you know making the playoffs getting close to you know getting at least into the divisional round maybe trying to get into the conference championship those kind of things um but what i'm what i'm trying to propose is 
I think you can build a successful roster around a middle-class contract because of the cost. As instead of having a quarterback who's whatever rankings you want to use, just say it's a quarterback who's a 15th best quarterback in the league, but he's getting paid like a top five, top seven. That's where the team suffers and cannot build an adequate roster to supplement his performance because they have so much invested in the quarterback. So I'm hoping to see this middle-class contract thing come back to fruition. It used to be around, but it just got shot all to hell. So I'm hoping these three players can, uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo might be another name that kind of fits into that class if he gets out of San Francisco. And Tom Brady, I think, might be another one. I think he's willing to kind of keep his money down low. So, you know, I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on that, but I think it's possible if the court, if the pay of the quarterback is in line with his performance, if they're a middle of the pack quarterback, and can you, that should free up enough cap dollar resources, cash resources to build up the roster around that quarterback. Like, what are you proposing? Are you proposing the Texans bring in Derek Carr? Not, not so much proposing. It, it's something that's been kind of crossing my mind a little bit that could could the team do it if they brought if they were able to sign Derek Carr to like say twenty five million dollars a year, like his current contract is thirty eight million dollars a year. Could you build a successful enough roster around Derek Carr if his pay was a little bit lower than what it is now? And would you be would that be something that interests you? No, I mean, I mean, like. Haven't, hasn't Indianapolis kind of been doing that like for the last four years, like just bringing in vets? I mean, that are making middle class ish type money. Like, I I don't I I mean I, you could, like, I just don't know. I don't know if that's really something that the Texans should be thinking about. Okay, I did get kind of scared though, just wondering. <laughs> Like thinking about, you know, you talk about this weekend and your thoughts about CJ Stroud and, you know, the quarterbacks and stuff like that. I, I watched Jared Stidham and I was like, what does Nick Casario think of Jared Stidham right now? And this, and, and how good he looks right now. He's a free agent too. Yeah. And you know, that would be the most, like you talk about getting away from Patriot way and stuff like that. Like, that would be the most like Bill O'Brien. Let's try to kick the tires on Ryan Mallet uh, type of thing that I've ever seen. That that would almost make me feel like we were just repeating what was going on with O'Brien. Yeah, but I did. That was like the thing that I thought as I was watching that. I was like, okay, let's say the Texans do like Will Anderson. Let's say they draft Will Anderson. Let's say they draft other things. Where where does Jared Stidham rank on the on the possibility of quarterbacks? Because I think he would be pretty high up on the list. I haven't heard anything. I don't I don't know. It just seems, and I mean, quite honestly, if you want to kick the tires on Jared Stidham instead of, you know, bringing in Derek Carr or Tannehill or whoever the hell else is going to be out there, mm-hmm. I don't think it would be like the worst option. But I could very easily see old Nick Casario. Feels like this, uh, trying to be the tires on Tad Brown's son-in-law. <laughs> Tad Brown's son-in-law. I forgot about that. <laughs> I feel like just trying to be smarter than Tad Brown's daughter else. stole the show. By the way, she went viral. The way she was looking in the suite. Mm, I missed that one. 
Yeah. But no, it's it's something to to stew on. It might be something to kind of dig into in the off season a little bit. We'll we'll see. I mean, there's there's a lot of potential options. Yeah, I did, you know, mention Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, those type of players that probably get a little bit more than like what Mitch, you know, what Trubisky did in in um in Pittsburgh this year. I think he got what he got seven and a half million APY. So we'll see. I, I think there's just I, I think it just feels like it's coming that way and maybe completely off base. We'll have to see how it plays out, but you know, we'll see. Let's try to get to some of the questions in here. Like I said, if you're uh listening in and you want to Thank you for joining in and watching us. We'll get to some of your questions on here. And I did have a few questions sent to me this morning before the show started. So we'll kind of start going through some of these. So thoughts on trading Cleveland's pick to New Orleans for Peyton and recent bowl games. Do you feel any better about Stroud? I am not interested in Sean Peyton one single bit. No, I'm not really either. I, I had something just bugs the crap out of me he's a quitter I mean, he's a quitter like, that's you know, that's I, the thing is like a thing's got a little he's a quitter things got a little dark in in new orleans and you know things got a little sideways and he said like if this were a cowboy show i would say yes like if this were a charger show i would say yes um if this were a bronco show i might even say yes and it, but i mean if he hated life in a place that he was at for 15 years and he wanted to get out, and now all of a sudden he's just foaming at the mouth to get back. Like, what? You think he's really going to be in it to win it? Like, in it to wait? You know, a couple years? No, I don't. I don't need. I don't need that that guy here. You know, I just don't. I don't need that. Plus, the draft capital you're going to have to give up. I mean, if they're really wanting a first rounder, well, they just traded a top ten pick, so they're obviously going to want a first rounder. Yeah. I mean, I, they're, they're going to want that second first rounder. They're going to want that second first rounder. Coaching can win a lot of games. I, no, it can, but I don't know how. I don't know how long term of a fix he is, and I don't know how close he is to like making an immediate impact. Yeah, that or what if he just doesn't like here and he does the same thing again? So yeah, no, I'm good. And then the recent bowl game, we kind of talked about that. Make you feel any better about Stroud? Make you feel better? Yeah, I mean he moves up the board a little bit, but uh, still, we're both in agreement. Still, Bryce Young. Would you consider? This is a successful top three picks this year. Bryce Young, Quentin Johnson, and Jam- or Jamar Gibbs, or Bryce Young, Bijan, and Jalen Hyatt. Either one, all, either one of those would be, that'd be <laughs> a home run at either, either of those three, I think. But, uh, you know, this team has a lot of, a lot of areas to address. I, I do feel a little leery about going offense, three, you know, skill players like that with your first three picks, but, Certainly not going to hurt my feelings. And, you know, the team did go with a cornerback, a safety, and a linebacker last pit, last draft early on. So, you know, hey, offense needs a little love as well. I think, I think those would be – shoot, that would be fun. I mean, having Bijan or Jamari Gibbs with, uh, with Damian Pierce, that would be very exciting. That would probably bring, like you said, the buzz back to this team. So – I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. Wouldn't hurt my feelings, like I said. Yeah, that's my thing. I want. I would. I want to go wide receiver, QB, running back with those first three, uh, in any particular order. Any any particular order. I mean, you can go young, um, Bijan Robinson, Mims, or Boutte, 
uh, or trade up for Smith and Jigba or let Smith and Jigba fall on your lap, you can go young Johnston Gibbs. Doesn't matter. Just get the skill positions right. Fix that offensive line and free agency. Let's see what's going on. Yeah, I had I had tweeted it out earlier that I think it was earlier this week that AJ Can has quietly been performing above his previous efforts the past four weeks. He's been a, a fairly decent offensive guard. And I, while I don't think he should just be granted the position, the starting position next year, the team needs to find some way to bring in some competition for him. But I feel like this team is – if they could just get a center that was really good. And they need a center bad. That I think that kind of would be the boat – the the glue that would just make this offensive line as a unit just that much better. I mean, we know the tackles are very good. We know that that those two tackles should be here for the foreseeable future. I still, you know, hopefully Kenny Green can turn things around and get back going. And then if AJ can is, is continue, you know, above average type of performance, which is fine. And if you get a good center middle of all that, I think it ties it all together. And I think that would kind of get your offensive line going back in the right direction the draft doesn't have a whole lot of centers from my understanding. I haven't really dove into it too hard. There's two or three names that might be, you know, options out there on day two and day three. And we talked about free agency. There's only two or three really decent guys, Bradbury, Bozeman, and maybe McGovern. Two of them are zone guys. One's a, a power guy. So it just kind of depends on what type of offensive scheme this team wants to to run. But, to me, that feels like one of the areas that you've got to come out of either free agency or draft with that position hopefully sewn up. Colts are 100% trading up if Bears get the pick. Wouldn't shock me one single bit. Somebody at uh, – Eberflus uh, knows them too. Yeah, somebody had posted up a uh, a mock draft where they did a trade with Bear when Bears at number one and, and uh, Colts trading up and it – was a, a number four to number one. So they got the number four back. They got their second round pick, their fourth round pick, and a, the next year's first round pick. So it's quite the haul. And it that sounds about right. I mean, that's it, going from four to one. You know, we see Houston and Kansas City, what it took to move up from the 20s up to 10 and 11 for Watson and, and Mahomes. 2017. Yep. So, I mean, those are just first round picks. But going from four to one, yeah, that's going to require even more. So, yeah, Nick, I definitely can definitely buy up on that. That Colts or the Falcons or the Panthers, it it, it very well could be in a high price auction if Bears get a hold of that number one pick. And it'd be fun to see it. Suck for Houston, suck for Houston fans. But just from just watching and and evaluating, it would be it'd be something fun to watch. We'll know. We know we will have to overpay because we are bad similar to the Jaguars, but what are some players to be willing to overpay for? Payne, Hardman, Edmonds, Bates. Yeah, the Texans tax will be live and well again this coming off season. I think the the areas that are gonna be strong is running back, which I don't I don't like. I don't know how you yet. feel about that. Yeah. I think one area that the team could really look at would be, uh, let's see here, I think would be linebacker. 
is one area the team can really. You want to pay Roquan? I don't know if I don't want to pay twenty million dollars a year for him, but I think there's some other names that would be intriguing at linebacker. Uh, you know, Levante Davis is a little bit old, but um, let's see here. Edmonds is one name, like like he mentioned, Tremaine Edwards coming out of Buffalo, and then. Let's see here. Landon Roberts got some ties to Leighton Vander Esch. He's always hurt, man. I know. He's, he's good, but he's always hurt. Yep. Always hurt. There's a there's another name. Let me I'm trying to get my I like Vander Esch, man, but God. Always yeah. hurt. Let's see here. Let me get to my evaluation board here. Should have had this pulled up, ready to go, and I did not. Slacker. Yes. All right. Linebacker. Yeah, so TJ Edwards from Philadelphia. And then Vander Esch and David Long with the Tennessee Titans has quietly been putting together a very good season. And Tennessee's going to ha- have difficulty retaining players this time around because they're upside down on the cap. And then uh, Tremaine Edwards is another one. And then um, Jermaine, Pat, Jermaine Pratt out of Cincinnati is another name. So I think definitely a, you're going to have to overpay for somebody. Deron Payne, like like you mentioned before here, Christopher is another player that we've talked about on this show a few times coming out of Washington. I just don't see – I'd be hard-pressed as to see Washington pay Deron Payne just after they paid Jonathan Allen and having that much invested – on your interior defensive line. Maybe they just re- try to replace him through the draft. So Deron Payne is another name that would intrigue me. Bates at safety. I don't know, man. I, I think there's I think there's some options in the draft that folks could look at. The safety free agency class is a little it's a little weak. You know, I think you got players, oh man, Deron Harmon, Tayshawn Gibson. Ugh forgot about him hey you know he was still playing had an interception the other day yeah julian love out of yeah i mean the safety is just and Bates doesn't really intrigue me i think i think you go draft or find a find a, a lower level you know maybe chauncey gardner johnson gets out of philadelphia but i highly doubt it i feel like he's going to get re-signed there and just find a, a veteran type of a safety to bring in maybe Terrell Edmonds out of Pittsburgh. I was interested in him last year. Adrian Amos out of, of Green Bay players like this? that. What is this? 2019? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. You pay, you pay market value for older players in free agency, but no, I, I think it's going to happen. The, the, uh, the Texans tax will be in live and well. Another one from Christopher. Do you think these they should get guys on the veteran trade market and take on contracts from cap needy teams for lower draft picks. Come on. I don't think you I don't think the team needs to be going down that path anymore. That that's just where you bring in older players that are making more than their market value. And it's hard to hard to really nail that down. And and I mean, free agency is a crapshoot as it is, and trading for trading for contracts. Is just just the same thing as going into free agency. I think this team needs to focus on uh, getting younger, getting getting faster, and 
focusing on the draft and then you use the free agency to kind of fill in the gaps. But that that doesn't really interest me too much. Yeah, I'm good on that. We don't need to be cute. Just just <laughs> yeah. do just do just be normal. <laughs> yeah, that I'm just be normal. Yeah, he, he tried to be too cute and smart the first two off seasons. I think the Marcus Cannon, the cap structuring, and all that. Just yeah. just be normal. QB <clears throat> one, wide receiver one in the draft. Combine that with a legit running back in Pierce, two book and tackles, new uniforms. I think people would be legit excited with all those factors combined. Yeah, are we sure Pierce can carry the load? No. Yeah, I think you we need, need to. Any, I think we need to tap the brakes on that. Like, it, I, I consider, I, I compare his rookie year to James Robinson. Yeah, um, that's that's my comparison. Like, I would tap the brakes, and I like him, but I, I would, I would ease that workload significantly. You um, cannot depend on him to be the bell cow, and, and he's still a very good player. He's still a very valuable asset. He can still, he can still get too close to a thousand yards if if you get him someone else, but. I would I would really really be careful in assuming that Damian Pierce is a work a full workload twenty carries a game back uh, over an extended period of time. Be very careful about that. Yeah. What What do you think about now that they're getting into uniform changes? Well, they should have. They, I mean, they should have a long time ago. These things have been kind of blah for a while. So the red helmets. Um, you know, it was probably their most uh it was probably the most approval that they've gotten this year on yeah. really anything. Um, and I think it's I think it's a good idea. Change the uniforms, change the look, a uh, little rebuild, um rebuilding of the marketing and all that. I think it's I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. It's it's weird how it takes that long. They were saying like an eight month process, eight month review with the league got to be in line with all their requirements on uniforms. But it feels like a pretty drastic change is coming down the pipeline when it comes to uniforms. And, you know, I'm all for it. You know, whatever they can do to energize the fan base between draft picks and new quarterback and uniforms. And it, but it's, it's a 2024 kind of thing, right, on the uniforms? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Patrick wants to cho- chose violence today by saying CJ Stroud, you are a Houston Texan. No, thank you. <laughs> Chris, car on a one-year prove-it deal. Man, no, it, it was a, I'd rather just go young and and go big. Carr's not going to take a big discount. I think I think he's still going to be looking for a good good bit of money, even if he even if he gets to the free agency market, if, if Las Vegas ends up, ends up releasing him, bring back Brian Gain. I always kind of wonder what things would have been had they didn't do that swappy do or tried to pull that, that weird change trying to get Casario in here and they fired Gain before they had the deal done. And then New England, you know, did the tamper Tampering. charges and all that. It just makes me wonder what would have been Gain was the most one of the most conservative GMs from a from a from a from a spending standpoint. You know, he he did trade for for the wide receiver out of Denver. Um, you know, Demarius at the last Thomas. Time. Yeah, Demarius Thomas. But I think rest in peace. Yeah, but uh, he was. You know, he didn't want to pay for Tyron Matthew. He didn't want to pay for um, Kareem. Kareem. He, well, they didn't even talk to Kareem the tackle out of 
New England that went to the Giants. Nate Soldier. Soldier, yeah. They missed out on him. So he just didn't want to spend. He he came up short, and that's what that's what led into the uh the the crazy tonsil trade and all that stuff, and things got all turned sideways. Um let's see here. What else we got in here, man? There's a ton of comments in here. Just a lot of people chatting it up. Rokan with yeah. I just it would be sick. I, it would be sick. It would. It would be fantastic. I just have man, you're gonna be paying twenty million dollars a year. You gotta but you you the but, thing like I'm normally with you, but I mean you're gonna have a four year gap where your core is gonna be rookies and yeah. young guys. So I mean if there was ever a time to you know put together a contract where it's essentially like a three year deal, overpay for Roquan, let him kind of be the guy that goes in there and fights and let Harris uh run around and show that athleticism it would be interesting. Yeah. And then you can focus on offense in the yeah. uh no that would be hey I'm all uh, for it man. I would love to I would love to do that. I think I think Roquan's gonna be the player that we do our our faux contract negotiation on. Still oh yeah thinking about it. When can we expect that? Probably February ish. Oh, okay. Okay, planning ahead, huh? Yeah, yeah. Two months. Chestnut checkers. Got to get the, got to get all the, got to set goals. You know, like he'll be, he would be the agent side. I'll probably be the team side. I have like certain parameters that I shoot for. Kind of like the two lane contract negotiation competition where they kind of have their own set goals for everything. And, you know, whether it's APY, guarantees, things like that. So it'll be fun. Let's see here. Minka, free agent. No, he signed a big extension with Pittsburgh. So he is not a free agent. Man. That's Greg Grissom is the man. Got to pay Roquan and pay. Nobody's making on this team besides Tunsil and Howard when his guild is good. Yeah. I mean, this team can easily free up some money, free up some cap space. And it's, you know, and, you know, Cal McNair has no problem spending money. We've seen that year over year, whether it's on the roster, on the facilities, wherever it may be, he has no problem spending the money. Uh, they were the top spenders for two years in a row. And this year, I think they're around 15th or so. So I, I would be all for it. And the more and more I sit here and think about it, the more and more you get me more intrigued with Rokon Smith. That would be fun. The more I think about it over and over and over, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be cool. I mean, and again, you know, the same mentality with any other position we're talking about. Um, There's your boy, Tony Pollard. That's be something that you've been speaking on. You're down with that too. Bro, man. So he's up in, uh, he's over in um, Las Vegas. Yeah, he is a free agent or pen, potential free agent. He's been playing behind uh, Darren Waller, but Darren Waller's hurt half the time. So he's played 14 games, 410 yards, two touchdowns. That's better than pretty much every tight end here. What size is he? He's 6'6", 256. Just don't know if he's more of an inline guy or or an outside guy, but he's 25. That's that's an interesting name. I'll have to do a little more. A little more research on on uh, Moreau to see if that's somebody that 
the team could be looking at because tight end is a position that's going to need a lot of attention in the offseason. I feel like, I mean, we saw OJ Howard back on the back on the field this past weekend, but it, he's been inactive a lot. And I think the only reason he was out on the field was because Tegan was hurt. But it feels like Tegan is the only name for a tight end that's going to be even usable for this roster next year. I mean, Akins might get re-signed, just, you know, come back to camp. There's no telling that he can repeat what he's putting on the field right now. But tight end's got to be a uh, a big position of need for this coming year. And I don't, I don't really don't see the team using a first or second round pick on a tight end. I don't know, Landry, if you have different thoughts on that, but the team's going to have to address it one way or another. Yeah, and I mean it's it's a it's a situation where actually you know those extra third rounders and stuff that that can actually be pretty valuable there. You can get pretty damn good tight end in that range. Um, if the if the kid out of Notre Dame falls to the second round, maybe that's the guy you take in the second round. I don't know. Um, I could easily see that happening. I could see a scenario where that happens. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's um, Dalton Schultz is going to be um, on the market. Uh, Ingram's going to be back on the market. So, uh, there'll be some interesting tight end options and, uh, out there as well, but he's spread out guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you need a spread out guy, uh, to, to add to like a traditional tight end. I mean, we've seen Nick Casario and and whether it was Belichick or Casario, um, they drafted Gronk and Aaron Hernandez in the same draft and they were, they were paying both those guys at the same time. So, um, Maybe he's open to, you know, trying to trying to put together as many tight ends as possible. Yeah. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. I really didn't have much else tonight. It was a shorter, shorter rundown list tonight. Covered a got a little deep into a lot of topics instead, so we want more quality over quantity tonight when it comes to talking points. Um you got anything else you want to chat about, sir? No, I'm just I'm just hoping for a loss and hoping to next by the time we talk next week, we're talking about pick one. That's really it. The Texans have a 73% chance to beat the Colts on Sunday, according to ESPN analytics. 73%? Wow. Okay, well, there we go. That's gonna suck, but okay. Wow. What's the line right now? Who said that? Somebody DM me the Jacob Infante. He's oh, a, the the Colts are. Uh, he's some draft analyst guy. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe he has access to that. Oh wait, here it is. Yeah, matchup predictor seventy three percent. Man, that's uh that's disappointing. Let's see what PFF has a map. PFF has Colts two and a half point favorites, which is basically a draw. They're playing at home. Man, they don't really have a whole lot of their stuff up yet. Hmm. Well, I agree with you. All right. Loss is the way to go. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) That's it. No, I appreciate it, sir. I appreciate everybody listening in. Um, We'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll be uh, talking about the number one pick instead of the number two pick. And uh, 
appreciate all the support. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button before you sign off and make sure you subscribe to Landry's channel, the locker room. He's always yes, got sir. daily comment, daily content coming out. So, and now he's uh king of the thumbnails. <laughs> Not yet. Hey, they look, they look pretty damn awesome so far. The ones I've seen. So not yet, but yeah, I, need we'll to get go to, I need to go to the class as well. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate everybody. Landry, hope you have right. a good evening, sir. Let's get it, man. All right. All right. Everybody have a good evening with that. We'll shut it down. Have a good All night. Right, See you, man. Yeah.